first by the poet Simbula Bayanirar. I'm going to go with that. I think that should be the cold open. Sure, why not? We're going to be discussing Tamil love poetry. Hope you're ready to hear some mispronunciations for two hours straight. Welcome to Poetry, the podcast where we try to understand Poetry, also known as poetry. I'm Koya. She's Yuki. Yuki. Shit, sorry. No, that was excellent. (laughs) I thought you were going to point at me. I did point at you. Yeah, you did. So, sorry. (laughs) Continue. 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 I'm Koya. She's Yuki. Let's try to do poetry you always do like uh how you doing how you doing friend? okay um, how are you doing how am i doing i haven't done any of my morning routine so i oh, feel no. um i know well i went to bed late and i did not wake up early enough to do anything so i did like half of my yoga and oh, immediately no. stopped <laughs> when I got too tired. So, you know, I think considering I haven't done anything this morning besides like pretty much wake up and start talking to you, I think I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm pretty tired too. Um, but I'm here for this. I like, I, I got a sneak peek into our poetry today, it's spicy as hell. So <laughs> I think it'll wake me up. It is spicy. Huh. When we were texting last night, and I said that all of the poems were, someone's going to get mad at me for saying this. I hope I hope no one gets mad at me. But I said all of the poems are either spicy or horny. And they yeah. are. They are. Someone is going to get mad at me for saying that, but they really are. There's no way around it. Well, it's like, it's a very specific, from what I understood of what you wrote, it's like a very specific genre of poetry that is meant to be spicy and horny, right? Like well, I mean it's it's all like love poetry. So um yeah, yeah love poetry is spicy and horny. I mean yeah. sometimes it's like longing and sometimes it's it's it can be very sweet and um it can be very anxious. I mean we're gonna get into all that, but yeah um I would say one of the dominant moods is horny. Yeah. It's yeah. not one of the you know it's not paired with the landscapes that are associated with the five phases of love but actually kind of is well i feel like horny is not there's nothing to be embarrassed about like if there's no horniness in your romantic relationships like that's a problem there is nothing to be embarrassed about but i guarantee there is someone who would take exception to this corpus of classical tamil poetry well to them i say horny poetry is meant to be horny it is meant to be horny. I don't like the word horny. I think it has lost its meaning. Yeah, it's like the it word so rug. Times. Yeah. Like the word rug? Yeah, it's like when you say the word rug too many times, you're like, what is a rug? Do so, I know what a rug is? Rug. I'll read I'll read you one of the horny ones later. Well, Yuki. I love you. Just, oh. You think I was pausing for you to tell me? I thought me. you were looking for a transition and you were trying to think of one and you couldn't figure it out. That's what I thought. We're not communicating, you know, I'm not picking up what you're laying down today, clearly. We're we're both still asleep. Yeah. Which is wild because it's not particularly early. Well, I was thinking of how to transition into talking about these poems for today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess normally you would ask me how I chose these poems, um, but you haven't asked me. So, so well, yeah. I guess I will... Just tell you <laughs> why so, I've chosen them. Mm-hmm. So, Koi, we've been wanting to do these two poems, or not these two specific poems, but the style of poetry for a while. And we finally got into it. A hum poetry. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, and I will probably pronounce a lot of things wrong on today's podcast. But can you tell us a little bit about a hum poetry and why you like it so much? Yeah. So Aham poetry spelled like Akam. A-K-A-M. Yeah. And I'm I'm only like 
I'm like 60 to 65% sure it's pronounced Aham, but I'm not, I don't know because I don't speak Tamil at all. And when I looked for stuff online, all of the people who were talking about it were like North Indian, probably Hindi speakers. And so they pronounced it Akam. You didn't find any like YouTube videos? No, all the YouTube videos were from people who were not native Tamil speakers Mm -hmm. pronouncing it Akam. And so it could be Akam, but I think it's Aham. And I'm going to say Aham. Okay. We're doing our best. We're doing our best. Correct us with gentleness. Don't correct me. I don't want to know. I'm I want to know. I'm just kidding. I want to know. Well, I. this is the thing. There's going to be a lot of mispronunciations today, but I'm going to give it a shot because as someone with a long Nigerian name, my name gets mispronounced a lot and I always appreciate when someone makes the effort. And so yeah. I want to make the effort even if I get it wrong. So yes, correct us with um, gentle grace and humor and it will be received. Yeah. So I came across Aham poetry when... I was a student and I remembered reading a few poems and being just kind of like, I mean, it's such, I mean, it's a very like hacky reaction, or I guess I shouldn't say hacky, but it's just like, it's not a particularly like unusual reaction. I was just like, man, these people from so long ago had the same feelings as me. (laughs) And I was just, you know, I was, it, it was, so mind-blowing for some reason. I mean, and it continues to be even even now when I when I read this poetry that I'm always, you know, I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. You know? Mm-hmm. And there is something, something kind of humbling about reading something from so long ago, from almost 2000 years ago, and knowing that there is someone who was having like navigating the exact same sort of like emotional landscape as you and was like having just as hard a time with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and I mean, it's something very humbling and it's something very comforting. It really, I think, helps to kind of take, to, to, to not personalize so much of like what is fraught about human existence. Because it's like, oh, this is, this is literally what we're supposed to do is like worry about these things and yeah, be, yeah, yeah. you know, caught up in it and stuff. So I really fell in love with this poetry. Um, and, um, and then I got this book a while ago called The Interior Landscape classical Tamil love poems by the scholar A.K. Ramanujan, who I did not mention, actually, was my grand advisor. Whoa, say that. what's yeah. a grand advisor? He's my uh, advisor's advisor. It, that's not a real term. It is now. Mm-hmm. Everything that you say about life in academia, I believe. Okay. Love <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I made up grand advisor. I think I stole that from a friend of mine. But um Well, the first I, thing that I thought of was Grand Wizard, which oh, is not good. It was not my grand wizard. Yeah. I don't have one. <laughs> so what else do I have to say? Well, how did this book come into your possession? I um purchased it from Amazon. Oh. That's right. Amazon.com. We're not plugging Amazon. <laughs> You're not doing that. Okay. I thought maybe there was some like story there, some advisor. No, the story was, <laughs> I heard, I read this poetry in class uh, years ago, and then I liked it so much that I went to amazon.com and nope. purchased. <laughs> Are you telling me if Jeff Bezos wanted to sponsor our podcast? You would, I would, you would absolutely you would decline. not. I would, you would decline, decline that Jeff shit Bezos so fast. I would totally decline that. If he if he gave it to me physically, I would literally throw it in his face. No, you wouldn't. I would. You would you would take a you you're telling me you would take a sack and slap Jeff Bezos with it rather than keep it for yourself. I wouldn't Jeff- do that. I wouldn't do okay. that because then that would be like an assault situation. But if you if throw it in his face, that's also assault. No, but it would. None of this is going in the podcast. Um, if you know, if he like handed me a giant check, right? So he made out of like thick cardboard. I would fumble with it, and I'd be like, "Oh, oh my gosh!" And then like a big corner would just poke him in the eye. <laughs> yeah, on accident. It would be on accident. That was very well thought out. Yeah, I'm real petty. To the extent that I don't think you came up with it on the fly. <laughs> really? Like, I mean, the I think we thought a memory. lot about 
Jeff Bezos giving you a big old check. I haven't. The problem with my memory, though, is that like I might think that something's an original thought, but truly it came from a TV show. (laughs) There's no way of knowing. I could be constantly plagiarizing my life. How did you choose these two poems in particular? The two that I chose are, are actually not ones that I had like marked as like my favorite poems. Like when I go through and I'm reading poetry, I always like dog ear the, the poems that I like the most. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. No, That's I love horrible. it. No, I, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a book fetishist, so I don't mind <sighs> it. They're my books. It's fine. You'll live. It's fine. It's um, fine. Continue. So I wanted to choose some that were short and that were um, like pretty vivid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, oh my gosh. Okay. That's what I wanted to say. I thought, you know what would be great actually is I want to shout out a friend of the podcast, Ruby, who just got married. Ruby. And I wanted to say congratulations. And then I thought, oh, all of the poems that I had dog-eared were all about like infidelity. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't I don't, don't want do to that. shout her out on the same episode where we're just all talking about like cheating spouses. You know, you know what? I think maybe you should just say like, okay, how about this? The first poem is dedicated to Ruby and the second poem is dedicated to absolutely no one because the first one is very sweet. I have Okay. Yeah. We are not dedicating this episode to anyone. (laughs) This episode is dedicated to no one. And just by coincidence, Ruby got married this week. Congratulations to Ruby. I think that's something like that. Yeah. Okay. Today, rather than read a bio of a particular author, we thought it would be more helpful to give a little background on the genre of poetry we're reading from today. Sangam poetry is one of two classical poetic forms that comes from the Tamil people in South India. Sangam poetry is further divided into two subgenres. Puram poetry which concerns itself with the public realm in Aham poetry, the genre we'll be reading from today, which deals with the personal interior lives of human beings, the heart, love, self, home, family, the private and domestic spheres, and intimate emotions. In contrast to other poetic forms that prescribe highly personal meanings to the words, imagery, and situations evoked in a poem, Aham poetry relies on a stylized canon of landscapes, emotions, and characters that poets can draw from in order to convey particular themes and moods. It is within this broad range of interior experiences that Sangam poets were able to navigate issues like love, marriage, and fidelity by showcasing the three things that appear to be the most significant, the time and place, the native elements, and the human feelings. So what are the poetic conventions Sangam poets use to convey love? The poems we're reading today don't touch on all aspects of these conventions, but I thought I'd share the five landscapes of Aham poetry, each of which is named for a flower or tree characteristic of the region, presided over by a particular deity and associated with distinct times of day, seasons, and other natural characteristics. Here, I rely on the work of the scholar and translator A.K. Ramanujan. The five landscapes of love are, number one, mulai, a variety of jasmine associated with forests and patient waiting. Number two, kurinji, a mountain flower associated with the mountain landscape and lover's union. Number three, marudam, a tree with red flowers associated with the pastoral region and lovers and fidelity. I've also seen this landscape characterized a bit differently by different translators, with some associating it with domestic happiness or marriage. Number four, Nadal, a water flower associated with the coastal land and anxious waiting. And lastly, there's a fifth landscape, the Palai or desert waste, associated with separation and hardships of the lover away from his beloved. Maybe you'll be both pleased and disappointed to know that 2,000 years ago, ancient Tamilians were worried about the ups and downs of romantic relationships. Even infidelity is treated as an established phase of love, the final stage preceded by the lover's union, separation, hardship, and marriage. Some poems employ a mixture of landscapes, but all of the poems use landscapes to locate their protagonists in a vivacious world where the boundaries between internal emotional states and external terrains are collapsed, with one being synonymous with and standing in for the other. To quote from the Norton Anthology of World Literature, the Sangam poets are not interested in the philosophical abstractions, moral lessons, or mythology. 
Theirs is a profoundly anthropocentric poetry, a passionate celebration of life in this world and of human emotions and acts. The aesthetic of Sangam poetry is founded on deeply felt resonances between the human and natural worlds. Yet even here, the poets are not interested in the natural world for its own sake, but rather for what it can reveal about human experience. The two poems we'll be reading today are both titled What He Said, following the convention that begins each poem by evoking the perspective of the poetic actor, in this case, from the perspective of a male lover. Both poems are from one of the most well-known collections of Sangam poetry, the Kurondohai, composed between 100 and 300 CE. The poems have different authors, the first by the poet Simbula Payanirar, and the second by the poet Kabilar, both revered Sangam poets in Tamil literature. What He Said by Sembul Apeyanirar What could my mother be to yours? What kin is my father to yours anyway? And how did you and I meet ever? But in love our hearts are as red earth and pouring rain, mingled beyond parting. Tell me what you like about this poem. Well, no, you had a question first. Do you want to ask your question again about the background? Oh, yes. So one question that I had, um, this poem's called What He Said. The other one's also called What He Said. And I was wondering if the Sangam poets were usually men or if there were female poets as well, or if maybe even if it's a male poet, but the perspective is from a woman. Yeah. So great question, Yuki. Oh, thank you. So from what I know... The vast majority of Sangam poets were men, but there were some female poets. Um, and so a lot of the a lot of the poems, in fact, I think most of the poems I've chosen two that are from the from a perspective of a man, but most of the poems that um, I've read have been from the perspective of the female lover or her friend or um, or a concubine. So they're from like a woman's a woman's perspective mm-hmm. um, when they're typically written by male authors. I looked into this particular poet very, very um, cursorily. I didn't really look that much into it, but Sembula Beyanirar in Tamil, it means he of water that has rained on red fields. So it is Ooh. like, yeah, it is the the same as what's in the poem. You know, mm-hmm. uh, our hearts are as red as earth and pouring rain. So I can assume that this this author is a man if it's he of the he of water that has rained on red fields. But mm-hmm. some of them you know, the, they either were by female poets or they were, we don't know what their gender was, mm-hmm. but the vast majority were more male poets mm-hmm. writing from a female perspective, at least with Ahom poetry. Did that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, and then what I did think you- Because this is like, so in your field of expertise, I feel like a student, like trying to get it right in your class. This is not within my field of expertise. Oh, I it's am, not? No. I mean, well, I know more about this genre because I, I okay. have I have studied it a bit, but like okay. I but it's not within my field of expertise because I'm I'm not a literature person and I'm not I don't know this language at all. Yeah. Um, so I know exactly basically what is in this book. Like <laughs> AK Ramanujan does a good job of explaining, you know, all of these different poetic conventions. He has like an appendix where he gets into all of this. So if it's if it wasn't in this book, <laughs> I do not know it. Um, he does such a good job of it that it makes it seem like I'm a real expert. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. You asked me what I liked about this poem. Yeah. So I didn't, I didn't know this when I was doing my research. Then I, I came across, I got some little fun facts down here. Okay. Verse 40 of the Corona High inspired many down the centuries, chiefly by its powerful imagery in the words, red earth and pouring rain, which is considered very evocative. It is the inspiration behind the title of Vikram Chandra's award-winning English novel, Red Earth and Pouring Rain. The poem was exhibited in the London Metro train service in 2001. So this is taken, yeah, this is taken from Wikipedia, but I did look it up to verify. And I didn't realize that this particular verse was that Mm -hmm. well-known. I mean, I'm aware of the fact that like probably all of, like a lot of the poetry and a lot of these poets are, are very well known in South India. But I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that like this particular phrase was like that significant, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean, and, and so I chose this poem because it's so good. I love, I mean, the imagery of red earth, once it's mingled, you know, mm-hmm. you can't, it can't be unmingled, you know. Yeah. 
you know, it's changed. Um, of course, it can dry, but we're not talking about dry earth as a metaphor for love. But and I also I haven't sp- I've spent some time in South India, but not that much. But I have I have seen red earth where my family is from in Alabama, and so I have a really strong connection to the idea of red earth, which really for me is like it's very evocative of like my my homeland, you know, in Alabama. And so I was automatically going to be pulled in by using the imagery of the red earth and then using this as a metaphor for joining together in love. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. it is quite powerful. And I, I, I love the idea. I mean, I just, I, I enjoy love being talked about in such a, I mean, it, I mean, it's so flattering and so, but also like so physical. I I like the, the connection that you make to you know, like the red earth of your homeland, you know, I think that there's something about the connection that we have with people and the connection that we have with home and space. So those are like two very like visceral feelings of connection. Yeah. I have to apologize though. When I first read this poem, I thought it was about somebody who fell in love with his cousin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I um, I don't know if I read that incorrectly. Um, but I thought this was him trying to convince someone who just found out that he was cousins with somebody and was like, you know, what is my mother to yours? It's, you know, what kin is my father to yours? Anyway, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. You know, okay. how did you and I meet? Did we meet at our, you know, your third birthday party? Yes, but I didn't remember that. Okay, it's fine. I don't know yeah. if that's totally off base. Um, I would like to be off base. It's interesting, actually, because I don't know when I read those lines, it is not clear to me if who he is talking to is in his in-group or outside of his in-group. And so I, I I did also read it that way. There are some, you know, some parts of the world and some parts in, of, of India where cousin marriage isn't that big of a deal. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, this is like a a part of the world where like marrying within your community is like a is like very important and would have been very important at this time. And so mm. it could also be like, well, we don't have those ties, but oh. that's okay, you know. So it, yeah, it, it yeah, could yeah, really yeah. be read either way. I couldn't tell. So it's it's, it's interesting. I much prefer read that it. reading. Yeah. Well, because if I read it with the like we're cousins reading, it's like if if you read it without understanding. The only way to interpret this poem is, look, I get that this is not cool, but I love you so much, so we should do it anyway. (laughs) But if you read it the opposite way, it's like, what could my mother be to yours? They could be, they could be in-laws, you know, like, don't worry that they're not like from the same community. Like, they could be connected through us, Mm. you know, like, that's, that's great. Like, it's okay that we're not from the same community because I love you so much. And so I prefer that reading. The thing that turns it for me from thinking that they are part of the same group versus thinking they're not is the line, and how did you and I meet ever? Which makes it seem as though their meeting was unlikely. You oh, know? yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, which wouldn't have been the case if they were this from the same uh, the same cast or the same, um, right. like, uh you know, from the same area or something like that. This yes. makes it seem like they're they're not a part of the same community. Yes. Oh, okay. I like that better. But I but I think he I think he wants there be to be some sort of kinship between them. You know, yeah. I don't. You yeah. know, like um, uh, some some sort of kinship between their families that would that it will allow for their union to to proceed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I when I read it that way, how did you and I meet ever? Like it's so improbable. Yeah. When I was reading this one and I was thinking about the, you know, these five landscapes. Oh, yes. They, oh, call, yeah. Thank you for bringing that back. Because none, none of the flowers are in there, right? There are no flowers. I mean, so this is the thing. Like, I didn't get into all of it, but there's, uh, he has like a whole chart where he kind of gets into, he kind of lays it out. But so in addition to the flowers or the trees, there's all sorts of like, you know, seasons and times of day and stuff that are associated with these landscapes of love. So even though there's no discussion of Jasmine, he associates Malai, so patient waiting and domesticity. He associates that with the rainy season. Uh, so I'm that's what I'm guessing. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. guessing this is evocative of the Malai landscape. Yeah. And, yeah. and there, so the other reason why I really 
why I wanted to talk about these poems is because there's something um, there's something really great about having these formal landscapes and literary conventions that like allow these moods to come through without ever really having to say it. So like, you know, like the fact that you would know, like someone who was reading this, you know, and was more more well-versed in this would know like, ah, yes, rain, of course. Right. The the, the, patient waiting. The patient waiting. Of course, I I can smell the jasmine in the air right now. Yes. And um, that's so true. Isn't that cool? It like creates this like 4D experience for you. It does. Exactly. It really, it really does. You can hear the rain. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it like really, it brings it to life in a completely different way. The other things associated, okay, so I'm just going to read the things associated with Mulai. So the time and the season, wait, the landscape is forest and pasture. The time and season is late evening and the rainy season. The bird is the sparrow, jungle hen. The beast is the deer. The tree or plant is the conry, which I'm not sure which plant that is. The water is rivers, and the occupation and people are plowmen. Mm. So it's like, it's like a very fertile. <laughs> yeah, fertile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had one additional thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, the idea of them coming from different communities, um, it might be, what's the word? Like that, that idea might be supported by the fact that like, um, one of their hearts is the red earth and one of their hearts is the pouring rain. Like they come from very different mm. um, spheres, heavenly spheres, but they are mingling. That's a really cool way of thinking about that. Yeah. Because because then it's, you know, once they are mingled too, then they, they produce something new and that right. that's like not separated. And, and that is like... Um, and it's like a newly fertile space. You know? it's a, yeah, just it's a newly water, fertile just, space. Yeah. Yeah. This dry earth. Yeah. And, and it, those things are, are, you know, they're like meant to come together mm-hmm. and like, uh, and become something distinct from yeah. what they are separately. I really like that. Yeah. This one was sweet. I'm glad. Isn't it nice? Yeah. It's really sweet. I know. They're all really good. I highly recommend this is, uh, again, from the interior landscape classical Tamil love poems by AK Ramanujan. Highly nice. recommend. I really, they're, these are short little poems they're a fun thing to read before you go to sleep (laughs) oh very fun any final thoughts about this poem i have final thoughts but i think they're kind of about both poems so i'll save them for after we read the second poem do you have a final thought about this poem um i think the the only thing that uh i thought of was you know when you said the the how did you and i meet ever it made me think about um me and sky like our meeting is quite improbable um you know i i often think about how his grandfather and my grandfather fought on opposite sides of the war you know like we you know i grew up in tennessee he grew up in colorado like you know how in the world did we end up meeting and the poem starts out with you know what can our families be to each other and i don't think that sky's family and my family are that close in the way that this author i think sees there being like a relationship there but i i think it's sweet to think about your love not just being about yourself it's about like a union of families i didn't realize you all had such a romeo and juliet oh love story yeah i hated his family i was just gonna no, just um no but i i think it is really improbable right like the fact that we yeah. ended up in nashville just by itself is improbable yeah that means we're improbable too we are Which improbable. We are. Yeah. yeah. Super improbable. Maybe this poem's about us. Mm, I don't think In so. In love, our hearts are as red earth. Which one are you? Are you red earth or are you pouring rain? I know which one you are and which one I am. You do? Yeah. I'm earth in your water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> you are very watery. I am very watery. And you're very earthy. I am very earthy. Look at us. <laughs> and our improbable friend love story what could my mother be to yours it's very <laughs> funny to imagine me saying this to you and what kin is my father to yours anyway literally nothing yeah. not kin at all <laughs> all right poem number two also titled what he said by Kabilar. my love is a two-faced thief in the dead of night 
she comes like the fragrance of the red-speared chieftain's forest hills to be one with me. And then she sheds the petals of night's several flowers, and does her hair again with new perfumes and oils, to be one with her family at dawn, with a stranger's different face. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Golly. Gosh. Golly. Um, I have a note here that I wanted to add, which is that the red red spear chieftain is the god Murugan. Oh. We, which would not be clear to us as non-familiar. Right. Thank you. Um, that was really helpful. Yeah. So this one I chose. What does that god do? He's he's a son of Parvati and Shiva. Um, um so well I this was one that I chose um because I thought it was a good example of a lot of the things that I had talked about in the in my background because it's this one is a little longer so you get a you're getting more of the landscape imagery. Mm-hmm. Um the other one was short and so it's like a very forceful kind or maybe forceful is maybe not the right word but it's it's it was short and powerful but you mm-hmm. weren't getting the same like exploration of the landscape. Um mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff like built into that one where you know, if you're like in the know, then you are able to like create this kind of whole, like you said, like a 4D experience. And this one is kind of laying it out a little bit more in terms of um, the actors in the poem and the the time of day, as well as like the actual landscape. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like that it starts out, my love is a two-faced thief. I like to think that he's saying it kind of like, he's like smack talking the person that he loves, you know? <laughs> You two-faced thief. I love you. You're cheating on your family. <laughs> <laughs> so you you automatically were like, oh, you're this is this one is about infidelity. You thought that why why no, did you think that one? No, I actually when I first read this one, I thought it was more of like a like a Romeo and Juliet setup. Like mm-hmm. they're, you know, like they're like sneaking away to like, you know, make out like in the woods or something. That's what I thought at first. But then I don't know. I think all of your like infidelity talk kind of like seeped into my mind. <laughs> and so I thought maybe like she's going back to be with her family at dawn. I thought maybe, oh, is her family like her like husband or is it like her parents? So I don't know. I, it, I think it could be read either way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if this is about infidelity or not. I don't think I'm like well-versed enough in the form to like you know, it doesn't it doesn't have necessarily the um, like the obvious conventions that would point Wasn't towards forest one of them. Well, infidelity is, is associated with. Um, oh, force is patient waiting. I think that it doesn't feel like this. I think that no, it's not it's not patient waiting. No. <laughs> Although it could be it could be a little bit of patient waiting because he's like waiting for her to come back in the next night. I think that I think the key thing here is hills because I think it, I think this is like more mountainous, and so the, oh. the mountains would be like lovers' union. So I th- I think I think that you are right. I think that this is I think this is a mix of a lovers' union and infidelity because of mm. the, the times of day. Uh, I'm gonna I'll read real quickly. the The lovers' union Kurunji is associated with mountains, night, cold season, early frost, peacock, parrot. Monkey, elephant, horse, bull, jackfruit, bamboo, vinkai. I'm not sure what plant that is. Waterfall. Oh yeah, occupations and people, hill tribes, guarding millet, harvest, and gathering honey. So we see a lot of, you know, like we see like the mountain and the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so and they're clearly doing something. Those lovers are definitely in union. Doing something that messed up her hair. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the lovers' unfaithfulness. Which is which is associated with Morudum, this flower. Uh, the landscape is the countryside. The time is the morning. All seasons. The bird is the stork or heron. The beast is the buffalo or freshwater fish. The tree or plant is the mango. The water is the pool. And the uh, occupations and people are pastoral occupations. So I mean, you do get you know. You, I think this is one of those where it's mixing landscapes to be like these lovers are together because they cheat. You know, mm. it, from the symbolism though, it feels more lovers' union, clandestine. It does, bef- you know, Romeo and Juliet-y than like I'm cheating on my husband. Yeah, I mean, I think just the the fact of like just of calling her a thief, which you know seems more chiding because you know than right. anything, but like you know a two faced thief is like I mean she's clearly doing something. 
she not supposed to yeah be yeah yeah but i mean even like you know if you're like sneaking out of the house oh like and, your parents house yeah your parents house yeah and you know like it's still you're still doing something you're not supposed to do absolutely i don't think that i would have read this as as being associated with infidelity if i hadn't known about this particular like structure yeah of, yeah it, it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't have jumped out to me yeah I, maybe one reason why I jumped to infidelity was because when I was still living in my parents' house, I wasn't doing anything this spicy. <laughs> I was uh, very, yeah. you know, I was a child. <laughs> Childish things. Playing with Legos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the, they, they live in a spicy world. I mean... People live in the spicy world. I, People I do. don't. Yeah, I, I yeah. didn't. Did you ever sneak out your house? No, no. I, sh- I absolutely did not. We were it would never kids. even have occurred to me no. to do that. Where would I go? <laughs> what, to see you? <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> you know, our parents, they lucked out. We were good kids. Well, I think we're supposed to do a little bit of rebellion as a teenager. Yeah, we didn't do enough. I think I think you're actually. I think it's like a pretty important part of like forming yeah. a personality. <laughs> and I think if you don't do it then, then you do. It. I did it later. I did it as a I full grown adult, which was like yeah. just like um, yeah, just like embarrassing. Like I'm gonna do what I want. It's like yeah, you're like thirty. <laughs> no, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but I think when you do what you want when you're older, you make wiser decisions. You can. It's a possibility. It's yeah. I guess yeah. it's yeah. So okay, I do like the mixing of landscapes. I like that, like you know, like being able to figure that out makes me feel like I like know a little bit of like a like a poetic secret. You know, like yeah, of, like you crack like, the code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the, the thing that I was going to say, the thing that I was kind of saving that I was going to say with the other poem is that like because they're using these con- like these poetic conventions to talk about these really like intimate things like the the way it is institutionalized makes it more bearable in some sense to me like I I I have a hard time putting it into words but there's something about like infidelity being incorporated into like these phases of love mm. that makes it seem just like a lot less personal you know that someone is cheating you know it's just like oh, this is truly just a part of human nature, you know, right. um, which is not to say that, you know, people deserve to be cheated on or something like that. Or, um, but there, there is something that sort of like, um, or even the idea of just these two people coming together at night to like do have this like clandestine affair, you know, is like, there's something about that that is that sort of depersonalizes it in a way that I, that I really quite like of like, I'm not the only person in the world experiencing yeah. intense feelings. I'm not the only person who is, you know, like, uh, I guess I've never done anything like this in the poem, but still. Yeah. One thing that comes up for me is like, when you have the language to talk about something, it makes it easier. And oftentimes the problem is that you just, you like, you don't have a shared set of vocabulary you don't have you know about anything like if you don't have a shared vocabulary about emotions or about um mental health or you know like it it makes it so much harder to talk about these topics that are like a little bit embarrassing or a little bit taboo um and so i really appreciate that these authors within this culture of poetry they've decided on this shared language yeah which kind of gives you permission to talk about these things that maybe are a little bit difficult to talk about that's a yeah that's a really interesting way of thinking about it yeah it it gives you a shared language that's that's really what it is and what i like about these poems i mean even you know i'm reading them in translation so i'm obviously not getting the full effect but i'm still able to see how each poet is able to kind of like take these conventions and like mold them into something that's a little bit specific to them which to me seems really 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 hard like the stylization of these themes is like so thorough that it goes down to like these are the kind of people that show up in the poem this is the Mm -hmm. kind of like this is the landscape this is the mood you know like it's it's it really it's very all-encompassing and to me that makes it really difficult to write for for me it would be very difficult to write in that way and yet they have because they do have this shared language they're all able to talk about the same thing with like a little bit of a twist of like how they're approaching it you know or like Mm -hmm. what it is that they're seeing and so it, it is like like it's the shared language for the poets and then it's a shared language for us as yeah. well. Yeah. Do you have a favorite line? I 
adore the line. And then she sheds the petals of night's several flowers. Me too. That was my favorite line. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Night's several flowers. Oh my God. What it I mean, what a night they've had, you know? Several flowers, okay? Oh, I didn't read it like that. I thought the petals were her clothes. I thought the flowers were the flowers in her hair. Uh-huh. Um, it also makes sense to read it as, as her clothing, too. Um, then I also thought it was like a, a bit of a double entendre, you know? Oh, the, like the deflowering kind of? Um, I don't, I, the word deflowering is gross, but like. I do think certainly. it's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> but definitely <laughs> flowers as a metaphor for something, you know. Yeah. The something is sex. When Flowers yeah. mean sex. Yeah, she sheds the petals of night's several flowers. Oh, I don't know what it means exactly, but it's pretty. It is so pretty. Yeah. It's so pretty. I mean, they're like, I can like see, you know, these, these like shadowy figures. Shadowy makes them sound scary, but like these, you know, these, these figures gauzy. at night, yeah. gauzy, you know, like at nighttime, you know, where, you know, at a time when there's, of course, no electricity. And so there's just, you know, you got, you got the moon and that's what you're working with. Yeah, you know, like that, that's it. And I can just totally like I when I think about this poem, I am thinking about it like I, I really am inhabiting this this guy's perspective of just like seeing my lover putting her clothes back on, you know, mm-hmm. before she gets out to run off back to her family. And I can just imagine him being like, oh, a beauty, you know, just and <laughs> being that so two phase beauty. <laughs> yeah. Being like being so enamored by this person, but then also, but like, you know, having in the background of like, oh, I know who you are. Mm-hmm. You know? I know your true face. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine what you're going back to your family with being all innocent. You're not innocent. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, you. Yeah. I've seen your night several flowers. Um, <laughs> it is, it is so like sweet and, um, and like very passionate to say, but it is like, if you read it with the right intonation, it is like filthy, you know, nights, several flowers, several not flowers. just one, several. And yeah, I mean, I just I didn't read uh, it that way. I, I want to make it clear. I did not. That's how I read it. it. I feel like we're, we're just like, you know, like we opened up the encyclopedia to the sex page. <laughs> And we're just like giggling in the library. Like, that's what I feel like we're doing right now. Oh, that's definitely what we're doing. I'm reading yeah. these poems and being like, what sex? I can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a nerd. You are a huge nerd. Just you're not a nerd. Compared to you. You think between the two of us, I'm nerdier than you are? That's crazy. Are you truly asking me that question? Are you asking me? Are you me? truly asking me that question maybe i am a nerd yeah you you are maybe, you... maybe i am interesting new information for me maybe i think I'm it's time nerdy. that you come to terms with the fact that you're a nerd well i'm also a nerd but i'm like your run-of-the-mill nerd what do you nerd out on I, it's usually like education stuff you know or like all kinds of things cooking yeah you nerd about kayaks books you know like not yeah. books bikes Oh, I meant bikes. Did you confuse <laughs> my brain had a slip? Um, camping. Okay. You know, like I can I can nerd out about all I nerd kinds out of things. On? I I just I don't even know. I don't know what you nerd out. Okay. On. Well I can't I explain like... it with my limited vocabulary. I think it's maybe because one of us is more nerdy than the other and doesn't know it so anyway <clears throat> you if one of us is nerdier than the other it's definitely you you we gotta wrap this shit up you have a grand advisor <laughs> i do have a grand advisor yeah oh but i should say that that the poems we're reading are, are translated by by my grand advisor A.K. ramanujan you know one thing i was thinking sorry mm-hmm. i know we need to wrap this up but like i often think about things in translation and how they're just like so much less evocative yeah like i was watching grave of the fireflies with sky oh yeah and he didn't cry once he what? didn't cry once yeah and i was like maybe it's because he doesn't understand what they're saying in japanese because like you cannot watch that movie without 
just falling apart completely. Wow. I know. Um, and so I wonder, like, like I really enjoy these poems in translation, but I wonder what the effect is if you read them in Tamil. Yeah. And then the other thing I was wondering was like, you know, you mentioned that these are from like 2000 years ago. So I wonder yeah. like, you know, is it accessible to people who speak and read Tamil now or is it re like reading, I don't know, Shakespeare or something? Oh, I don't know, actually. I mean, I, I think classical Tamil is probably quite different. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know anything about any South Indian languages, but so I, what I, what I'm guessing is that these are like Kabilar is like a, like a very famous poet. I would imagine that th these are, you know, like these are things that people are familiar with probably through schooling or something like that. But the, 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 the translation thing, I mean, I think about that too, because these are, um, as far as I can tell, these are translated well. I mean, I wouldn't really know. Mm -hmm. Um, but AK Ramanujan is a, you know, was a, was an excellent translator with these. I've never even heard these spoken you know, out loud. I've mm. never even been able to to hear them spoken in Tamil, which I would really like to hear. Yeah, I would love that. When I looked on YouTube, all of the videos were North Indian speakers like talking about Akam poetry. They weren't or Akam poetry and saying Akam poetry, but they weren't like reading it. I've never heard a recitation. Um, and so, I mean, I'm happy with my little English translation, um, but I am blown away by the fact that Sky did not cry <laughs> at Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> I'm a yeah. little like I'm still like. It's a little That's disturbing. I, I mean, I wow, yeah. I, I remember very vividly watching it for the first time at my grandma's house with my brothers, and it was like mm -hmm. it's a very intense movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I do not speak Japanese. I was weeping. Yeah. So I don't know if the translation is the issue there. Um, Maybe I just want that to be because <laughs> I don't. Otherwise, the you know explanation is that I married a cold-hearted person a stone yeah yeah i have one more thought i don't know if it's a final thought what's your what's your final okay. thought i find my i think this is like a modern convention but i find myself wanting the titles to be different it would make it easier to discuss <laughs> for us right now today for sure yeah that did not occur to me just because it i don't know it just didn't but um i really like again, that they're kind of drawing from this like canon of characters, you know, mm. and, and so for me, it like really helps me to like put me in the space of whoever is speaking to just be like, who said what? Oh, he said it. Okay. Mm. Who said it? Oh, her friend. Okay. Gotcha. Um, oh, but also he's saying this to somebody. Yeah. Ooh, he's spilling somebody's secrets <laughs> <laughs> to us. I like all of the ones that are like, Okay, the one on the page next to this one says what her girlfriend said to him. And so some of these are just like the woman's friend just chewing this man out of just like, mm. you are not treating her right. She I is like that. thick. Okay. And you have not been to see her in days. You know, it's just, it's. I, I mean, like it's, that a lot. She is me. Like, I would absolutely do that. I would just yeah. interfere in my friend's life in that way. My Okay. My final thought is this not necessarily a final thought. Maybe it's a, it's a question to leave things with. Um, because when I think about these different landscapes and how, you know, these poets were able to conceptualize, like associate these different feelings with different landscapes and and stuff like, but I was just thinking about like, what are the, like, what are the landscapes around me, you know, that communicate certain moods or certain mm. feelings? Like what would be, what, what landscape would communicate infidelity? You know what I mean? Or like right. anxious waiting, you know, I don't, I don't have, I mean, it speaks to like such a different relationship to the natural world too than, yeah. than what i have yeah um like to, to be able to like use that to heighten you know your connection with people i wonder if it would like ruin certain places for you like if you got cheated on and then you went to the mountains and mm. you're like oh the mountains just remind me of getting cheated on how does the the stylization of forms and concepts how do, does that change the way you interact with this poems all at all or does it like add or detract from your ability to to get into the poems or empathize with the, with the characters. I think it's like, it, it definitely adds some like fun information. Like I do feel like I'm like, you know, cracking the code a little bit, but I can enjoy them and like take my own interpretation of them. Even if, you know, it's like any poetry, like you could be interpreting it totally wrong from how the poet intended, but it's whatever. So like, I think it, it adds like an interesting flavor. If I didn't have it, I don't feel like I would be losing out necessarily so i think coming back to you know like poetry being intimidating like i don't feel like you should come into 
reading Aham poetry feeling like, oh, I don't have a good sense of all of the symbolism. And so I'm not allowed to enjoy it. Like, right. I think, you know, like you, you can come to it and enjoy the spiciness. Like, yeah, there's spiciness to spare, even if you don't <laughs> get all of all of the like nuance. Um, yeah, you know, I knew a little bit about it before I got this particular book of poetry. When I read them, I don't read them and think, ah, yes, this is the Malai. This is, you know, like I will sometimes go back and like kind of decode them. But that's uh-huh. just like for fun. You know, it's just like, right, a right, bit right. Of, you know, it's like, like, like working out a puzzle. And probably if I, if I knew it well enough, I would have it, it would like be integrated enough that I wouldn't need to do that. But like, yeah, part of why I wanted to do these poems so much is that they are so legible without that. And they're, mm. they're, they're so, these are, I think, really accessible poems for people who are interested in, I think, I mean, these, these are, this is definitely, these are the oldest poems that we've looked at, you know, like yeah. 100 CE or something like that. So like, I think just the, just the, like the, the time period can be intimidating, but like, it turns out these are like super accessible. They're just know. like us. They're just, they're just like us. They're just like us. <laughs> Anything else? Just as a response to that, I feel like if you were the kind of person who was like, oh, you didn't even understand the imagery that they were using. I feel like that would make you an insufferable ass. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And I am not an insufferable ass. I don't think I am. That remains to be seen. I don't think you are. This is the thing. Like, I'm talking about these specific poems, but it's true of all poetry. Like, I don't... What I like about poetry is not necessarily that I understand all of these formal conventions. And if I felt like I had to, I probably wouldn't be interested in it. I wouldn't read it. We wouldn't be doing this podcast because it would be like, oh, there's a barrier to entry. And I have too many other things that I'm interested in to like spend time learning this in a formal way. Some of it, Mm -hmm. you know, eventually you learn over time, but like in general, like you just engage with it in the way that you, in the way that you do. And then, you know, if you want, you can, you can investigate these other things, but, and and, and that meaning can become richer and unfold over time and stuff if you want to do that. But otherwise, um, the way you engage with it is the way you engage with it. And that's totally fine. Yeah. You want to, you want to wrap this thing up? Well, I think that we approached some poems that I probably would have been intimidated by, but turns out they're great and just very fun to read. Uh, so I'm going to say that we successfully poetried. We did it. We did, did it. it. We did it. Is that what, why would I was supposed to do? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> Our background on Aham poetry was compiled from The Interior Landscape, Classical Tamil Love Poems by A.K. Ramanujan, and the Norton Anthology of World Literature. Links to purchase these books will be available in the show notes. Our music is from Less FM. Do you like what you heard? Rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends or enemies and subscribe so you know when each new episode drops. For questions, comments, concerns, or if you have a poem you'd like for us to discuss, hit us up at wepoetried at gmail.com. That's we.poe.tried at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.